Welcome to season two of the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education across the globe. I'm Karen Sarah Watson. I'm not only the host, but I am a teacher. This podcast is for people who want to better understand the experience of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to season two of the Warriors of Education podcast. Today, I am so honored to have on Eamon Ra. He is a principal speaker, best-selling author, and leader in education revolution. He is leading voice in the quest to transform the educational experience. He is a proud Compton, California native. He has partnered with the LA Clippers, Think Watts, Planet Fitness, all this for the school community and beyond. So there is so much more to talk about. And you also have a best-selling book called The Revolutionary School Culture, which I definitely will post about it because I've read all about it. So thank you for coming on, Principal Ra. No, no doubt. Uh, thank you for having me. Really, really glad and happy to be here. This is amazing. So just tell me how you became a revolutionary principal. What's your story? Yeah, you know, uh, I always tell people I, I wasn't I wasn't really into education as a as a young as a young child, even though I come from a family of educators, right? My my father was an educator for over 34 years. He was a professor at the University of Long Beach State. Um, my mother uh, dabbled into being a school teacher, and then out of my siblings, uh, five out of six of us are in education, right? But as I was growing up as the youngest, I just thought they were square. I, I was like, yo, who, who wants to be a teacher, right? I like, no one grows up wanting to be a teacher. Like, at least I didn't, right? And, um, you know, I just figured like, I thought I was gonna be a rapper and a football player. And, you know, just dabbling through my streets and understanding like the awareness. I read this book called The Alchemist and it changed my life. Uh, once I read The Alchemist, uh, I started as a, being a teacher assistant. And then I just realized that, man, I, I love helping people. I love trying to better their best each and every day. And it, it inspired me and uh, my aspirations grew to wanting to be a principal to build a school I wish I had growing up. Cause I didn't see the relevance in education. I, I just knew it was like, oh, English, math, history. And it, it, I didn't see the, like the outcomes from when it came to life. I didn't see the connection. Uh, I just knew it was like, oh, go to college, go to college and then figure it out. I, but it was like, I didn't see how that translated to my my life and career so i wanted to build something like that uh that was transformative for young people especially coming from my community right and you have and let me tell you we need you so badly in new york city i can't even tell you but um tell me um about in now in your book you talk about how you this creation of a unique house system i would love to hear about that and how you created that yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think everybody knows it from Harry Potter, right? Uh, uh, Hogwarts, right? And then it was uh, popularized by the Ron Clark Academy in Atlanta. Um, and I didn't really have big experience with either. I, I just read about it. Uh, I, I watched the movie, uh, the Harry Potter before, and I've seen like different posts from like Ron Clark. And then I was like, yo, we always did teams. Like I always was part of a fraternity type of atmosphere, sorority type of atmosphere. And I was like, yo, let's let's develop a house system, uh, research more about it. And just was like, yo, let's make it unique for our community. So uh, our teachers, we came together, kind of pitched them on it. They were like, yo, this seems like something unique. And because they really are invested into like collective and as a village, they was like, all right, well, let's try it raw. Like, we don't know what this is going, let's try it. Uh, so we sat down and was like, hey, let's try to come up with the students to get involved and come up with like four major values. 
One value was advocacy because we wanted our young people to speak up and speak out. Uh, the next one was friendship because there was a high rate of suicidal ideation and cyberbullying going on. So we wanted students to have love for each other. So we that was the house of friendship. Then we had the house of courage where we wanted students to stand for something so they won't fall for anything. And then the last one was motivation. We felt that like our students all the time, they weren't intrinsically motivated. So we knew that those was the four values that we wanted to like really promote on our campus. And then, but we knew like our young people wasn't just gonna connect with that. So we wanted to connect with like, who was a, like a, a, a ambassador for these houses that students can connect with and bring their voice and bring the community voice in. So we landed on uh, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for the House of uh, Advocacy. We landed on uh, Michelle Obama for the House of Friendship uh, called the House of Obama. Then we have uh, the House of Colin Kaepernick uh, for the House of Courage. And then we have the House of Nipsey Hussle, which is the House of Motivation. And these four houses, we gamify education with GPA, attendance, uh, civic responsibility, and students just kind of gravitate and uh, love it, you know, and uh, that's kind of like the journey behind it. That's incredible. You even have a financial system. Can you talk about that? I mean, that's yeah. the only way. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we do a lot around financial literacy. We do a lot around uh, just teaching young people around the capital markets. For myself as a principal, uh, I still teach a class. I teach a class called uh, Gentlemen the Kings, um, in which I teach young people around the financial markets, uh, how they work, what's the, what is how, what is buy low, sell high. We partnered with Bank of California to teach a financial literacy program uh, for our young people so they could just be aware of how the dollar cycle with microeconomics and macroeconomics, which is really important if we want our young people to, to just change and evolve and to begin to create upward mobility and economic development, uh, not wherever they're at, but uh, specifically in our community. Oh my gosh, that is incredible. So I'm just curious, you know, because I mean, we're all in the system here and the system is not very friendly to like outward ideas. So it's like when you create something that's beyond what the system is um, and you turn out something, how do you, how do you make this into something from just your community into something that's national? Is this something you've thought about? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of times we always think about um, scalability, right? We, we always think about, you know, how can we replicate, replicate, replicate? And um, I feel like there's universal practices, but I think that there's some problematic things with trying to replicate you things that's, that should be unique. I'll give you an example. Like uh, in New York or wherever there's at, there's probably like a great, a great like restaurant, like that mom and pop restaurant that is like unique to that town. Right, it, it understands the DNA, the culture of that city or that town. And then next thing you know, it gets super popular and then they try to make it into a chain, right? And then like you go somewhere else and you're like, yo, this is not the same as the original, yeah. right? It's because you can't replicate what is made to be authentic, right? right? Like, like, so are there universal practices when it comes to some of the things that we do at our school? Absolutely, right? Building relationships, building relevance, building a sense of belonging, having a literacy program, having a mathematical framework, having a philosophy of restorative practices, like those things are universal practices. However, I believe that every community should have a, a level of uniqueness and authenticity that is specific to that community and specific to those students and the parents that makes it special, you know? And I just, I just think that the scale, it should be around universal practices, but the 
the, the real work is the nuance of authentic love that is really rooted in that community with parent involvement, family involvement, and student involvement. It's incredible. I mean, we have so many people working towards that, but it seems that we're just constantly fighting this system yeah. that is not open to to open to like really taking care of the community or what the students really need or what the teachers really need or what the administration really needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think for more part, I think it's more leaders stepping out the box. Um, but to answer your question, it's hard to operate within a six, it's hard to create a thriving uh, ecosystem, a micro ecosystem in a toxic macro ecosystem. Right. So it's, it's very difficult to do. Um, so, you know, you are working inside out, which you're going to, every positive direction is met with negative reinforcement that we're constantly fighting, right? And we're fighting against the ex existing reality. Um, and it will take a lot to overcome, right? Um, it will take public policy. It will take advocacy. So it will take courage. It will take thinking outside the box. Um, and it's, and we gotta also know that this thing, we we got here over a long period of time. Although it may feel like this, like when you go from the 1960s on to now, this, this is over 40 years, 50 years of some problematic practices and systems that uh, shouldn't have been in place. And now we have to try to deal with and, and face on, right, as a, as a unit and as a family, to better our communities and better education for our young people. Right, right. So tell me about how, I mean, how do you, how do you work, not against it, but how do you work with the resistance? Because you are getting a lot of resistance to what you're doing. Absolutely, I, you know, I get this question asked a lot, right? Um, and it brings anxiety, it brings stress. It brings a level of uncertainty. It brings a level of fear. It brings a level of doubt. Um, this work is hard. It's extremely hard. Um, it's even harder when you have a lot of people that uh, name call that 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 say it's a lot of mean things to what you're trying to do because you do it differently. Because I may wear a Compton hat. Because I'm I I have a gold chain. Because I'm my authentic self. But I also knew that that was going to be part of my journey, unfortunately, when I made the decision to be my authentic self. And it's extremely hard, uh, but I'm mission driven, right? And my mission is for my young people. My mission is for my community. My mission is for the families that I serve. Um, so who, who am I, you know, to, to, you know to, to judge those who have these type of reactions towards me? I mean, they threw stones at Jesus, right? So like, I, I I just, you know, I just have to keep pushing and be on the mission and um, really be focused and not let the distraction have uh, have it have its way with me. But no, it's hard. It's stressful. Um, you get anxiety uh, from all type of things. But, you know, you I just I'm rooted in the mission and I'm, I, I believe I'm very optimistic. Um, I'm very hopeful for the future. I'm very hopeful um, in the work that we're doing. So I think that's what keeps me going. I wish we all had principles like you. I mean, <laughs> amazing. So tell me, how do you, how do you support your teachers through this? Yeah, you know what? Uh, first is getting to know them. Getting to know, you know, I try to study my teachers just like any kind of relationship, right? Like being married for now eight years, 
I had to study my wife, right? Like I had to learn, she's not the same woman um, she was after two kids and dealing with me, right? Like she's just like, oh, well, I have to study her and we have to grow and we have to mature together. So similarly, like I do that with my teachers. I get to know them and understand like, hey, you need to take time off. Go, go take a mental health day. Go, oh, you like hiking? Go hike, right? Because I want you at your best self. Uh, we do yoga days. We, you know, I pay them, right? Like I, I, I put, I allocate money in my budget to ensure that to ensure that I pay them for anything that is outside of their job description, right? Because if I'm going to ask you to add value to young people's life that's outside of that, then I should be able to provide you compensation or something in return uh, on this return on investment for young people. Uh, so I try to do that the best way I can. Um, I think we've been doing a pretty good job so far. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much how I support my teachers. So tell me about what's happened during the pandemic. How did that either throw you off or did it help your cause? Like, tell me about your experience with that. All of a sudden this happened. Karen, Karen, this, this, I mean, it has been, I mean, it has been a lot, right? I, I'm, I'm gonna, let me tell you on this journey. Let me, take, let me take you on this journey real quick. So we opened my school in 2018, Karen, right? First year. So I was a founding principal 2017, opened the school 2018, 2019. That first year, our entire district had a teacher strike. All right, so follow me. Then the next year comes, 1920, we find, so we had one full year in person, then 1920 comes, and then boom, in 2020, COVID hits. So we're out distance, we lose a staff member, right? So transition, boom. Then the next year, 2020, 2021, we're still distant. And now we get to this year. So if you allocate the days of in-person instruction care, we have been distant virtual longer than we have been in person since we opened. Yeah. So luckily for us, there are some good things. We started the school in a virtual way anyways, because when I was a founder, we were big in social media. We were big with technology. Uh, so it was a little bit easier for us to transition when it came to a distance learning environment. But we're also growing every year. So within the midst of pan the pandemic, we grew over eight teachers because our, our school expanded because we're a new school. So we're trying to onboard teachers. Um, students are struggling because they want they missed our really this was a second home for them so they're missing it right so i'm going to cascade this down so for me i i i had to go through and relearn my leadership style and to 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 try to survive i went to survival mode because the type of principal i am i'm very interactive with my young people i'm very involved and i wasn't getting fulfilled Right. And I was getting the, the, the trauma from my teachers, from my students, from families. And I was surviving through this vicarious trauma of trying to solve all these different problems. Right. So I had to take a seat back and, and take care of self so I could be a better leader for my for my staff. And let me tell you this. My teachers are so awesome because because they know that I love them. They uplifted me like Noah. They came and, and did special things because they knew I was struggling. And that's unique, right? That's unique because I believe if we're at any type of, or if I was at any type of different type of person, 
I think our school wouldn't be where it's at right now because of I've seen toxic relationships between admin and teachers, right? And they came and they lifted me. They put their arms around me. They checked in on me because they knew I was trying to be there for everybody. Right. And it was just beautiful to see. And we fast forward now, it's just like we're a family. And, uh, you know, we, we still have our struggles, right? We still have, just like any family does. But uh, during a pandemic, I think we bonded together um, and we got closer together and we got stronger, um, although it was tough, but we got stronger. And I think we, we're setting a, a good foundational step for us to plan for the great return. Right. That's amazing. And how did you, how were you able to support the students who were having a difficult time learning online? Because that has been for us here around me, um, really hard for some, a lot of the students to, to be online. A lot of them didn't have computers or the right internet yeah. service. How did you deal with that? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's two things, right? Right, Karen, we, we have the technical problems and then we have the adaptive problems. Like the technical problems, we, we were really in our control. In our, in our zone of genius, in our zone of, of, of control, we were able to get, we was already a one-to-one -one school. So we, we weren't one of those schools that need to figure out how to get kids laptops. However, in our area in Watts, there was an infrastructure for the Wi-Fi, right? We, every, we got hotspots, but the actual towers weren't really set up for all the amount of people that were gonna be on Wi-Fi at the moment. So it was all just scattered. So those are technical problems, right? That we just we just have to try to work through, work without, you know, give grace. But then we have the adaptive problems. And adaptive problems with students, social, emotional, their, their motivation. Um, you know, sometimes we're high school, right, Karen? So when kids get, get to us, a lot of times they have been nurtured all the way through. And when I say nurtured, you know, some of those, some, we have uh, over 20% of our students have IEPs and students with, with exceptional needs. So, you know, a lot of times I would, I have a, a exceptional needs credential as well. So I don't know if you, you know, when you're teaching a class and you have cooperative groups, you'd be like, hey, all right, you guys, we're on. I need you guys to do uh, this paragraph or read this part on page 36. And, you know, it's a kid in a group that'd be like, hey, what, what, pay, what page are we on? And usually their cooperative learning group will be like, oh, this is, well, a lot of times those kids didn't have no cooperative. Group. Right. They had to learn, you know, so it was a lot of trying to adapt, not only adapt to the learning online, but adapt to the systems of learning through, you know, our learning management system. How to, it, it, There was a lot of levels to it. So we tried our best. I think, I, I think everybody tried their best. Uh, did we say 100% or that we did well with everybody? Absolutely not. Um, nobody did. Right, nobody did. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I want to say for the most part for those students and, and families who had the, the relative privilege, uh, I would say, uh, performed, performed at a high level. Um, and we just tried to figure out the best way we could for those who were struggling in other areas from food, shelter, water, loss of you know, loss of just different things. So yeah, I mean, we were dealing with students who were lost parents and grandparents, and yep. it was a it was survival. And I can imagine that probably was similar Absolutely. to what you were doing because I mean, LA had it pretty bad for a while too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know how you guys are doing now. How are you doing now? Yeah, no, these numbers are going up crazy. Yeah, the numbers are going up crazy. So, um, 
we we just hold it on. We right. <laughs> hold it on. I know. So so where now? Where are you now? With are you going? All, is everyone back at school in the fall? Yeah. So we are we are set to come back fully in person as of right now. Uh, fully masked, weekly testing, weekly um, everyone weekly testing, and we are fully back um, until further notice. But yeah, we are we are fully back in the fall, and we start we start back soon. And so where you know what is your next step in this in in creating this this culture that you've you've created? Where where are you going now? Yeah, our our, our goals uh, remain the same. Uh, we we our methodology may be subtly different, but our goal is for every one of our students to achieve self actualization. That means they know themselves in context of the world. Uh, our focus area is uh, still a data driven culture uh, and an aspirational culture, um, and then a, a instructional program that's driven by equity. Um, and how we define equity at our school is we redistribute, we redistribute the access and resources to those students who most need it. So if students most need uh, computer Wi-Fi resources, we focus on them. If they need more um, access to literacy, we make sure that we allocate time uh, for those for those young people to get. So we are preparing for our great return for our young people to be inspired by our cultural environment um because we we have a really strong house system to welcome them back with uh but we also know that you know our young people it's time to it's time to buckle down and try to get them motivated for bettering their best for their dreams right. you know for them to get to their dreams we have to work two times as hard for them to provide them critical hope that a lot of young people lost that hope right, right? they seen it through college they seen it in all different ways off of, why am I still doing it? So we have to kind of uh, bring that back and show them the, the beauty of education, the beauty of learning, um, and also let them know there is a difference between schooling and education. And we want our people to, and our young people to continuously love education and to continuously learn, no matter if you're inside of a school building, in your own house, at a coffee shop, in a living room, the form of education never stops. Now, is this what you mean about aspirational culture? Are you speaking yeah. to that? Yeah, so aspirational environment, how we define it at our school, is we build a culture of excellence around students wanting to be in our environment and seeking to learn. So from our uh, our house system, like we really focus on how well you're going to be motivated to learn and whatever your dream is, right? Whatever you seek to do at a high school level, we're going to be motivated to do it. Two things in our motivation, house of motivation is do what you have to do so you can do what you want to do. Like, yes, there are some classes that it's out of my control as the principal. You gotta take those classes. That's part of the, that's part of the structure. However, I assure you, we got so many other programs at our school that when you do well there, you can do everything that your dreams is made of or, or what your dream. We have a music studio, we have 3D printing, we have laser cutting. We have uh, uh, so much when you create your own podcast. Like, so we have all these different elements that we are saying like, yo, you could do all this. You can make your own t-shirt at our school. You can make your own fashion design. You can do all those different things. However, you have to do what you have to do so you can do what you want to do. Right. And that's the aspirational environment that I would speak of. Oh my God, that's incredible. And so you partnered with all these, you, I mean, you yourself created this. You were able to get the the partners that you have, or you got um, the like the LA Clippers that they helped you with your your uh, physical physical education program. 
Yeah, so uh, I tell you how. So the Los Angeles Clippers, Planet Fitness, Bank of California, Microsoft, uh, MakerBot. We have so many partnerships, right? And it, it really came, it all came from like FBI Academy, Firefighter Academy, Law Society. All these different things came from um, social media and a vision, right? Um, so the Los Angeles Clippers came from a partnership with uh, a rapper named Sticks in our local community. Uh, reached out to him on social media. Um, cause I'm like, yo, I'm from Compton, you from Watts, like, why haven't we connected? Um, and then he came to visit the school and he was just amazed. He was like, yo, I never met, you know, a young black male principal that is unapologetically about the community and kids. Like, this is crazy. He was like, yo, this is crazy. So he wanted to support. And I said, listen, man, that's all I care about is putting forth resources for our young people. So he, this is how, this is how dope he is. He had a, he did a song for the Los Angeles Clippers. And instead of them paying him, he said, I would rather you use the money you was going to pay me and come and put resources for the kids in, in the Watts. So he brought the Clippers down and they visit and they, they talked with me and they were amazed too. And they were like, okay, we're going to redo the whole gym. We're going to redo the whole back outside porch. And we're going to give you a garden. And they did it in two weeks. Um, oh right, after, right after that, Planet Fitness heard. They caught wind of it. They came to visit the school, met with me. I took them, I was like, yo, we need a weight room, man. My, my students in PE, they just, they, this weight room has been just, nobody used it for years. You know, it was just like, just non-aspirational. So they came and said, yo, we want to be part of this. We love what you're doing. Boom, they gave us a whole new weight room, kind of finished paint, new lights, new equipment. Bam, got it. Um, right after that, they heard uh, Bank of California who works with LAFC was like, yo, this is amazing. How can we help? Uh, we talked with Sticks and was like, yo, we really want to teach our young people financial literacy. You guys are a bank. Maybe we can open up some checking and savings accounts with them. We came and did a six-week course in financial literacy with uh, Think Watts and Sticks. Uh, after that, um, what else? MLS, the Major League Soccer, heard and was like, yo, we want to come back and partner with LAFC and bring you a futsal court for your young people uh, to, to learn how to play soccer. And we were, we're working, we're trying to work with the NFL and the Los Angeles Rams to try to give us a football field so we can bring football to our campus. So we're just trying to build a community center for our young people, um, because I feel like in order for us to truly have a community school, we must center the community. So all these things that's coming uh, will eventually, through, once we fight through the bureaucracy, be for the community where uh, abuelas and moms and fathers can come to, to, to use the facility because, you know, health is wealth. And, and, and that, is, that is what's really important for our young people, but most, ultimately our community. I mean, my jaw's on the floor at how much you've, you've created, because not only have you created a community within the school, but you're changing the, the invite you're changing the, the whole community like people outside of the school within you know it takes one person I mean that's why you're it's so incredible what you're doing but you bring on the right people with you and 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 they create from there and that that's just absolutely incredible what you're doing thank you, thank you. really appreciate it and it's 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 really a, a village it's a village of people um we, we really believe that if every one person does a little, no one person has to do a lot. Right. Um, and that is really what we're trying to do. And just, I mean, just, we're just trying to revolutionize the educational experience. And, you know, hopefully, you know, more people could just support our movement with trying to create a self-sufficient school. Um, because I'm a firm believer that if we want a self-sufficient community, uh, we need a self-sufficient school. So how do you deal with the bureaucracy? 
Because where, I yeah. mean, you just keep, I mean, it's that you keep going, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, we still dealing with it, but ultimately, um, you know, just figuring it out. I mean, if I, if I knew the answers, I would have, I would have, if I knew the code, I trust me, I would have been, it would have been a lot further along. But I think more than anything is, you know, keeping, like I said before, keeping my eyes on what's important um, and trying to dodge the, the mess as much as possible because it comes and it comes heavy. It comes, it comes heavy and, it, and it's a heavy, it's a heavy load to, to, to carry at times. Um, but when you see the outcomes and the joy of young people and family, um, that's what it's about. Um, yeah, that's what it's about. That's what it's about for me. So how do you, um, tell me, how do you take care of yourself? I mean, you have a yeah. lot of weight on you. So what do you do yeah. to take care of yourself so that you can be who, you know, I'm, I'm still working on that too, Karen. Right, work life, right? <laughs> work life, life, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like work, work life balance is real. Um, anxiety, um, stress, um, and even depression is real. Like right. it, it is real. Um, like I struggle with depression, right? And um, I got to a point where I became more open and transparent about my struggles with depression years ago. Um, that's still battling through, right? Uh, because you sometimes you get battle fatigue. Absolutely. And I, I struggle with a sense of perfectionism um, that that carries a heavy load from from just trying to always be better than the system growing up. You know, here you got to be better. You got to do better. You got to do better. You can't you can't afford to you know, slack, you can't afford to mess up. You only get one shot, you know, all those different things. So when you do not, you know, you feel like, you know, you're not, you haven't arrived yet, that wears on you. So for myself, um, I try to pray, right? Um, I try to take time and meditate a little bit more uh, to, to sit back and say, you know what? Uh, just because I, I can go the extra mile, doesn't mean I need to go the extra mile all the time uh, because, you know, my health, I've sacrificed a lot opening up my school. I sacrificed time with my family. I sacrificed money in my own pocket. Um, I sacrificed a lot of different things that, you know, sometimes, you know, you I sit back and say, you know what, I, I need to really focus on myself. And I'm doing a better job right now. Um, and I, I work with my mentees because I mentor principals across the nation to let them know, you know, learn from my mistakes, you know, um, because sustainability is is really is really key. But you know, your health and wealth is really important. So I'm trying better to meditate, trying better to just enjoy the small things uh, that doesn't have to deal with fighting the battle. Because I like I enjoy the battle too. Like you know what I mean? Like I find joy out of like coming up with great, great things and helping become a public servant, right? That's naturally, I love serving my community, but then it's like, also I, I need to learn how to explore and find other joys in life. I think sometimes as educators, we, we're like in education mode 24 seven, like we're at the dinner and we're talking about 
you know, curriculum and we're talking about this program. We're talking about trauma. We're talking about all these problems that we can fix if we just did this. And it's like, sometimes, you know, for me, I'm doing, a, I'm trying to do a better job of turning that off and finding other joys in life. Um, and that's my, that's, that's my journey. Yeah. It's hard to turn it off. It's yeah. hard when it's your life, you know, but it's good that you're doing that because you do, you have to take care of number one, you know, the oxygen mask um, theory. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, that's amazing. So, um, what would you like to, um, you know, anything you want to ask for? I, you have this book yes. that, um, I ordered, um, that oh, I, I have you. not read, so I do apologize. Um, yes. but I am going to read it at the revolutionary school culture, which looks yes. incredible. Um, is there like, where do you need help? Like out in the public, what, what do you want people to know? Yeah. So, you know, I, I wrote the book, uh, revolutionary school culture, the six principles of unlocking your school's hidden treasure. Uh, and uh, the hidden treasure is to pay homage to the alchemist. Uh, if you ever read that book. Uh, I did, Santiago. and I felt the same way, yes. Yeah, so the Santiago is on his journey to find his hidden treasure. So I just, um, my call to action is for educators and philanthropists and anybody that, that is really involved for the, the betterment of young people uh, to get involved. I charge you to get involved. Uh, specifically, I charge you to get involved with the young people uh, at our school and Watts. Um, Donate if you can, um, support in any way, elevate the voices of our young people because the more resources that we can get towards them, the better our uh, community can be. And if the better our community can be, the better the world can be. So uh, that's the charge um, for any educator. That's, that's what it's about. We do need you in New York City. So I cannot beg you enough if you ever do want to come here and change the world here, I'd be happy to work for you. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I actually, I actually do some work for New York DOE. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do some work with uh, mentoring some of their assistant principals. I know it's like it's it's like little sub districts and stuff like that in the DOE. But uh, yeah, I, I've actually been partnered in doing some work in uh, in uh, New York uh, DOE. So I'm I'm excited to not actually be a principal to at least my work and some of my practices can reach some of the leaders out there. I was going to say that your practices are so important. And, and, and I think we all are looking for someone to really help us with that. So I hope you continue to work with this, that, that our system. And I hope that other people hear this and other systems, you know, take on what you're taking on because you, you, you can change the world Absolutely. and we really need, we need leaders like you. So um, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I am beyond honored that you took your time. I love your, by the way, everyone has to follow his Instagram. Your Instagram is incredible. Buy his shirts. I'm going to get one of your shirts, your be revolutionary shirts and oh, wear that proudly. Um, so I will definitely put on um, in my podcast, all the, all the information so people can follow you and also by your, um, by your merch. Cause your merch is super cool. <laughs> so much. I really appreciate that Karen. And thank you for taking your time and your busy schedule. We um, I'm honored. All right, now you have a good one. Thank you, you too. Thanks for tuning in to Warriors of Education. This podcast is produced by me, Karen Sarah Watson, edited by Alitza Renzi, and recorded in Brooklyn, New York. Make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you download podcasts. If you are a teacher or know a teacher who would like to share a story, contact us at warriorsofeducation at gmail.com or on our website, warriorsofeducation.com. Teachers, we hear you, we see you, we honor you. Thank you.